Welcome to another episode of Extra Innings. I'm Matt Breen. Scott Lawler is with me. Bob Brookover has the week off. Scott's in New York with the Phillies. I just got back from Denver for a four-game series with the Phillies. Four-game series this weekend with the with the Marlins, and it seems like it couldn't come at a perfect time because right now it feels a lot like last September. I know it's only April. It just feels that way around the Phillies right now. And Scott, you're you're in New York with the team. What have you made of these comments? Jake Arrieta saying they were flat. Bryce Harper being thrown out. Reese Hoskins getting <laughs> fastball thrown in his head. It just, it just seems like it's been a pretty eventful week in New York with the Phillies. Yeah, uh, weird, weird to say that given the fact that the Phillies have been kind of non-competitive in these first two games, um, that it's been as eventful as it has. But you're right. Um, you know, and it starts in the fourth inning, I guess it was on Monday night with Harper getting thrown out of the game over, um, over what they perceived to be a bad strike zone. And that's really all it was, was, um, they took issue with Mark Carlson's strike zone. Harper, I guess, was pretty relentless in his, I guess you could call it harassment of the umpire. I mean, from the dugout, even after four batters after, uh, he'd been called out on strikes in the fourth inning. There's still apparently quite a bit of chirping, and I guess it got a little, uh, too much for Carlson, who tossed him from the game. Kapler comes out and argues. Harper goes nuts. And then after the game's over, Jake Arietta says, you know, A, Bryce can't do that. We need him too much uh, for him to be getting thrown out of a game in the fourth inning. And nobody would argue with that, including Bryce Harper, who said as much himself that he's got to do a better job of controlling himself. And then B, Arietta says, I was the only one who was any good tonight. The team was flat, and it's inexcusable. And I thought that was um, a few things. I thought it was uh, kind of strong for a game in April. Um, I, I thought uh, that there are some explanations for it. You know, not that it's, not that it, it excuses it, but, you know, look, I think that there were probably players in that room who thought maybe the game wasn't even going to get played. I mean, it was raining pretty hard here, uh, right up until almost the first pitch, and then it was still raining after they started at 8.45. So, you know, I'm sure there were guys who maybe weren't quite as, um, ready to play as you normally would be. Uh, it's kind of human nature. It, it happens. It's a long season. You have nights like that. And then the Phillies didn't hit. And, you know, they're the kind of team that's built around their offense. And when they don't hit, when they don't uh, produce, when they don't score a lot of runs, they're going to look flat. Whether they are or not, it's going to look that way. It's kind of hard to look energized and emotional and to high-five and do all the things they do when things are going well when they're not hitting. And so, you know, I think uh, – it was just really interesting. And then that, of course, sets off the second day, which is Gabe Kapler saying Jake was spot on and we were flat and maybe we were even flat on Sunday in Colorado. And then he says, but I think it's going to all turn around tonight. And then they get blown out again. So, you know, just, you know, it's been just a couple of days here, but, you know, it just seems as though, um, you know, there have been some reactions, maybe even overreactions to a couple of, to a couple of losses into one bad road trip. And, you know, you'd like to see over the course of a long season a little bit more steadier uh, uh, emotional sort of line than the one that they've towed this week. So so you thought he was – Arietta was strong against the, the whole team. And more so, just about the Bryce Harper comments, I just thought Bryce Harper got thrown out of the game. 
it, it happens in baseball. It's not the end of the world that a guy gets ejected. It's going to happen again. I don't think it was, like you said, it's April. I don't think it was time to call Bryce Harper on the carpet because he got thrown out of the game. If Bryce Harper doesn't need, he's not a, a kid. He's played, ever since he came up in 2012, he's been on a team that's expected to contend for a playoff spot. He knows what it takes to be here. He's got experience, maybe more so than anybody else on that roster, not counting rings or, or you know, times in the World Series, but actual seasons where you're contending every year. I don't know if anybody's in that clubhouse has done it more than Bryce Harper. So I just don't think it was you – know, you don't need to tell Bryce Harper that he can't get thrown out of the game. It's just It just seemed – to me, I just thought it was kind of unnecessary – and a bit strong. I don't know if, if that's how you thought about just Arietta's comments on Bryce, not just the whole team. Yeah, I agree. Um, look, I think the number, I think, I think it's 12 that Harper's been ejected 12 times in his career. That's a lot for a guy who's been around basically six years. It's like, it's an ejection, or, it's, it's more than one ejection a year. It's almost two per season. Um, it's, it's what you get. It kind of comes with a package with Bryce Harper. Like it or not, he is, an emotional player, and if you're gonna if you're gonna rave about him when he's jumping around on the field and he's he's you know he's he's hitting home runs and he's trying to rev up the crowd and all of that, then you have to take the flip side of it, which is that you know sometimes that emotion is going to be negative. It's, he's going to he's going to disagree with something that occurs on the field. He's going to go a little nuts. He's going to get thrown out of a game, and you know, when cooler heads prevail, um, you know, he's going to sit there and go, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But you're not going to change him. It's the kind of, it's the way he plays. And you're right. It's going to happen again. It's probably going to happen again at some point this year um, that he gets thrown out of another game. And it's just sort of, it's, it comes with the territory when, when you have that guy on your team. And you love it when things are going great. You don't when it's not. You know, for me, it was Arietta. You know, we saw it once last year, that game in San Francisco, and you know, I guess it was late May, early June, right, when he decided to criticize the shift and Scott Kingery by name. Uh, and I think a lot of us thought it was weird to go after Kingery, right? I mean, he was a rookie trying his hardest at a position shortstop that he hadn't played much before. Like, you're really going to go after that guy after a game that uh, that you lost in San Francisco. And I don't think it was it was necessarily Arietta pointing a finger, trying to point a finger or make it personal or anything like that. I think Arietta, and this is just my read on it, that he he senses moments during the season when he can step up and say something that can nip something in the bud. You know, he even said in spring training, I was talking to him one day about last September and everything that happened. And he made some kind of a comment about how there were times last year where a, a few games, like a loss or two in a row, two, two in a row turned into three in a row, and there, there were things he felt like the Phillies could have done to stop it before it got to three in a row or four in a row, especially late last season when it really spiraled out of control. So, you know, they come off a tough series in Colorado where he didn't pitch. Uh, they play a game on Monday night where they, they didn't hit, so they looked flat. And I think in his mind, he was saying, okay, as a leader of this team, I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to stop this right here, right now. Even if it's not, even if it doesn't come off looking great, even if I come off like I'm throwing my teammates under the bus, 
I'm going to step up and say something right now. I just wonder whether a rain-delayed game in April was the time to do that. Um, but, you know, that was how he read the room and read the situation, and it was how he decided to react. It's a good point because he, he was the, you know, had the unique position all weekend in Colorado of being a guy on the team but obviously not playing because he wasn't going to pitch. So he, he had to sit through those four games and watch it, and then he had to pitch Monday night in New York and so it's almost like a natural reaction of being frustrated and what you said about like a chance to nip it in the bud. I think it did, it did instantly remind me of San Francisco as well. If anything, it's going to remind you of last September, right? It's a rough series in Colorado because that's, that's, that was their last road trip last year, um, right? It was in Colorado. They, of course, yeah. get trounced for four games there. It happens again. And now, like if you were there last year and you were, you know, like your mind goes right back to, well, it's last September all over again. So I'm not surprised that Arietta comes off that trip and then off a rough game Monday night and says, I'm not going to let last September happen again. I'm going to put my foot down and do this now. So I'm sure that that was his psychology. And, and this this was not as bad as last September. Last September in Colorado might be the four worst baseball games I've ever, ever watched. But two ejections in, in a year on average, that's a pretty sweet deal. Like imagine, two, like, you know, we're at the, a lot of these games and sometimes you're like, you know, this game stinks. I don't want to write about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get thrown out right now in the fifth inning and go home. So Bryce Harper has it all figured out. Smart guy. I might have to adopt that game plan. I love it. I love it. How do you think, uh, how do you think Pat McLuhan and Gary McPatofsky would feel about us just, who would eject us though? Would your dad do the ejecting <laughs> as a press box attendant? He might have like, to. Yeah, go home. <laughs> and then the, our boss would be like, Where's Matt's game story at? Uh, he, he got tossed in the fifth inning. He wasn't happy. <laughs> yes, and I would come back next day. Yeah, I know, I know, I need to be here. But lost in all of this things was is the play of Cesar Hernandez, who it's almost useless to talk about it right now because there's nothing the Phillies can do at second base until Scott Kingery comes back. But let, I want to get ahead of it and, and imagine Scott Kingery being healthy in two weeks. I think might be there wasn't a timetable in Colorado. I don't think there's a timetable right now. But we'll give him two weeks at the, at the most. I think is all he's going to take. Hernandez had to play Sunday at second base when he 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 thought he was out and he just started walking off the field and it was like such an embarrassing blooper. And then his plays, his play in the field uh, Tuesday night in New York with the fielding error. Uh, what, what do you we talk about people being on the hot seat? Do you think Cesar Hernandez's time at second base is on the hot seat? I think so. I mean, I, I think we talked about it um, on this podcast a couple of weeks ago about like how does Scott Kingery find at bats? And I, I, you know, my sense then was no matter what Gabe Kapler says about how second base is gonna is going to turn out, um, you know, if Cesar didn't start hitting, then I thought, well, that's where it's going to come from. You know, Kingery's going to cut into his playing time, and, you know, I don't know if it – I don't know what percentage it breaks down to, if it becomes more like 50-50 or if Kingery becomes the primary guy. But you're right. If Kingery was healthy, I think there's no doubt about it. He would probably be playing right now. Uh, it's just a, It's just one thing after another, and they're starting to pile up from the – the base running play, which, you know, was just inexcusable. It's like, how does that happen to, um, you know, 
making an error in each of the last two games, and he just doesn't look – Cesar just doesn't look – you want to talk about someone who looks flat or just doesn't look focused. Um, you know, yesterday was a pretty routine ground ball. He sort of drops to one knee, which I never like to see that from an infielder. It's like, oh, that's trouble. And then it goes, you know, right through the five hole. And, um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, that's not that's not a guy who's looking real confident right now in the field. And and so I don't know what it is. I don't know whether he's – it's just been a bad week or whether there's something going on. But, you know, I certainly think if they had Kingery, that, that Kingery probably would have played you, – you would think Kingery would have played Monday coming off that base running mistake or – you know, certainly yesterday coming off the error that Hernandez made on Monday night uh, on kind of a flip to second base on what would have been a maybe a double play. Um, but, you know, they just don't have that option right now to go to Kingery. You know, if I wonder whether if Gene Segura was healthy, whether, you know, one of these last few days they would have gone to Phil Gosselin at, at second base, right? I mean, he's got to play shortstop now because everyone's out, but, you know, maybe he would have, played at second base and given Cesar a day if that's what he needs or whatever it is. Um, but no, I, I think, I think if this continues, certainly, um, you know, they're going to have to look for ways to get, they want to look for ways to get Kingery in the lineup more when he's healthy anyway. And this is the way to do it. And, and again, uh, this, as bad as this has been, in my opinion, this, this, you can live with this if Aaron Nola is okay. And, and it seemed like, Saturday night in in Colorado, he was okay, and and that was I thought his best start of the year. I mean, better than opening day was Saturday night in Colorado. Um, bases loaded in the third inning, gets out of it, and then ever then the next three innings, he was he was Aaron Nola. He was the the pitcher you're used to seeing, and I thought just his the way he escaped that jam in the in the third inning was just. Vintage Aaron Nola, calm down. He just he said he slowed the game down. I went up to him Sunday morning. I said, "You said you slowed the game down. Like, what did you do? How did you, how did you do that?" And he said, "I just took a couple deep breaths. Like as simple as Aaron Nola is. It wasn't like this, you know, crazy answer where he started singing a song in his head or he started thinking about something. He's like such a simple guy. He just started taking a couple deep breaths. He's like, that's all you can do. Is that's all." Because the game speeds up on you, and it, you know you have to slow it down. So I took a couple deep breaths, and, and then he pitched from that point on as Aaron Nola. And I think it was kind of troubling to see three starts in a row of a guy that wasn't Aaron Nola. And you know he started wondering what's going on with this pitcher. Is he all right? Is he? It was last year, just you know, not a flash in the pan. But was that the exception really to to and not who this guy really is? And and I think. You can live with this rough week as long as you know that you have, the, you know, the number one pitcher on your team back and, and the guy that's a Cy Young candidate in the National League, and he pitches again Thursday night. So I'm saying he's back. He's he'll probably get lit up Thursday night now that I say that, and then everyone's going to look like I'm a fool. But but I I really believe. I don't know how much of the game you caught in, in Colorado, but I, I thought he looked really good. And and just how much more important do you think it is, Scott? To have Aaron Nola, you know, back than it is to have a good a good week in the in the end of April. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Nola because I read your story. I caught you know just bits and pieces that on Saturday night of that game, and not enough to not enough to really kind of get a handle on what it was that that allowed him to settle in and maybe even sort of turn that start around because that start had the potential right to be, to go go off the rails, kind of the way 
the way the other ones did at times, um, you know, and whether it was like, was he throwing more curveballs? Was he throwing more change-ups? But, you know, from that explanation, it sounds like he was just, it was more, more of just collecting himself, right? I mean, rather than actually sort of changing anything, he was physically, you know, like stuff-wise what he was doing on the mound. Yeah, he, he had his, you know, he wasn't throwing more curveballs or more, he was just, he was throwing his curveball. Like, you know, his curveball, the last three starts, that wasn't his curveball. It wasn't the curveball that you, right. you've seen that, that has this signature movement. Uh, JT Romuto described it after the game. I thought it was a perfect description. Starts as a strike and ends as a ball. Strike the ball, curveball. And, and really, if you, you know, that that's that curveball that Aaron Nola throws that guys just look foolish at swinging because it looks like such a hittable pitch. You swing, and next thing you know, you know, it drops so much through the zone that you never had a chance at it. And I think that's what you saw in Colorado, plus the fastball command. His, uh, Gabe Kapler kept talking in, in when, he, when he was having these, these rough outings early in the season that he was most concerned with the command of his fastball and just the command of his pitches because that's, again, Aaron Nola's career was built on curveball and just the ability to pinpoint command. You know, wherever he wanted to throw the ball is where, where his pitches went. And it seemed like that was back, too, in Denver, which, again, this is a – a ballpark, obviously, with the altitude and all those things, where it can affect your your break of your, your breaking pitches. And if he was able to have that start against that good of a lineup in a ballpark where teams just mash, and then on a mound where it's just mm-hmm. tough to pitch, I think that's that's pretty telling that this guy is gonna he's gonna be all right. You know, and that's that's the thing too about this game. Like, you know, we started this thing out by talking about the last two days and and. The last two days here and, and the series in Colorado and how it's been really a rough week for them, borderline dysfunction, right, the last couple of days with some of the things that have gone on here in New York. But if they beat Jason Vargas on, on Wednesday night, and he's the Mets' fifth starter and he's really struggled this year, and then they get a good outing out of NOLA on Thursday night against the Marlins, everything's good again and everything's fine and the ship has been steadied and, you know, all of this, talk that we've had over the past few days about um, flat, you know, flat performances and Bryce Harper getting ejected and, you know, all of this stuff has just been noise and, and, and it goes away. And that's, that's the thing about baseball. Now, if, if they don't hit Vargas tonight or if Nola lays another egg tomorrow, well, now it starts to get a little dicey and you say, all right, what's going on here? What's wrong? Um, You know, but, you know, it's, uh, it's set up so that they can really, you know, they can really get well against some bad teams at home, the Marlins, the Tigers coming into town next week. Um, and, and really kind of turn the narrative and shape it a different way. So it can turn that quickly. And it's, you know, they're certainly based on the matchups they're going to be getting over the next few days. They're set up to do that. That's the thing about baseball. And Scott, that is the thing about extra innings. We started with the sky is falling. I, and I brought up memories of the last September, and now we're ending it on a beautiful, positive note. 20 minutes into the podcast, what else can you ask for? What else can you ask for? <laughs> I mean, in New York, it was pouring rain on Monday. It's a beautiful day today. I mean, maybe, who knows? Maybe let's look at the bright side of things. Maybe the Phillies can, you know, by the end of the week, everything's roses and sunshine again. And if not, we'll be back again next week to talk about it. For Scott Lauber, I'm Matt Breen. This was another episode of Extra Innings. 
Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Leave us some feedback. In the meantime, you can read our coverage at philly.com slash phillies. And you can subscribe to our newsletter at philly.com slash extra innings. Thanks a lot and have a good day.